Can a believer be assured that he is eternally secure from God's wrath? Can a, a Christian know without a doubt that he cannot and will not go to hell? This is Bible Talk with Percy W. Garrett in the great state of Alabama. And we're going to talk about how we can know what God has given to us can never, never be taken away, even by God himself. And even the believer cannot walk away from it and lose it. Impossible. And we'll show you why I said that. One of the things that the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Roman church is this. Romans chapter 4, after having talk, talked about the imputation of righteousness to Abraham and to David, apart from their good works and their bad works. And he went on to say that this imputation of righteousness was not just for Abraham and David, but for us also who believe in Jesus Christ those who walk by faith. This righteousness is imputed to us based on what Christ would do at Calvary's cross. He would pay the penalty for all of our sins, even for Abraham and sinful David. And you know how sinful David was? He looked and lusted after Uriah's wife stole her committed adultery with her, got her pregnant, and tried to lie about the baby by an attempted cover-up. And when he could not cover it up with the lie, he killed her husband. Or at least he had him killed. Murder. But you know what? Based on what Christ did at Calvary's cross, David's sins were forgiven. And his sins were imputed to Christ on the cross, and God punished Jesus in David's stead. David's sins were imputed to Christ, and the righteousness of Christ was imputed to David. That's why right now David is in heaven. But Paul goes on to say concerning us too, in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, he was delivered for our transgressions. He was put on the cross. And after having been put on the cross, our sin were placed on him. And he was punished, put to death for all of our sins because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
And you know, Christ never died. I never sinned. Christ never sinned. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 7 says he was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He never sinned, but he became sin. He became sin for you and me. He was our sin offering. You know, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant of law, when a Jew sinned, he would take a sacrifice to the tabernacle or to the temple. And the priest would take that animal and the Jew, the sinning Jew, would lay his hands on that animal, signifying the transfers of his sin to that animal. And then the animal would be killed. Instead of the Jew, the sinning Jew, being killed. And we see that also in the wilderness. When the Jews murmured against Moses and against the Lord, the Lord sent fiery serpents to bite the sinning Jew. And when they would be bitten, they would die. So the, the Jewish people began to cry out. To Moses to call on the Lord to do something about the snakes, to do something about the snakes. And Moses, God's great servant, talked to the Lord on the on the behalf of the sinning Jews. And the Lord said to Moses, Take some brass and fashion a serpent out of that brass. Then take a pole and attach that serpent to the pole. Put it up high enough so the sinning Jews could look at it, could see it. And whenever one of those Jews who sinned against me looked at that brazen serpent, and believe that I will heal them, believe that I will forgive them, I will. And when they followed the instructions of the Lord, those who looked at the brazen serpent lived. The serpent uh, was a sign of sin. And the brass was a sign of judgment. In this case, it's as though God placed the sins of the sinning Jew on the serpent and judged the serpent. But we, we know that it was only a picture. It was only a type it, it was 
uh, a picture of what would happen at the cross. Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So he said in John chapter uh, 3, verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He knew that he was going to the cross to have our sin placed on him. And God would judge him so that we would not have to be judged by God's wrath in hell, the lake of fire. So in Romans chapter 4, Paul elaborates on what happened at the cross. He was delivered for our transgressions. And he was raised, I'm, I'm smiling now, and he was raised for our justification. When he was raised up, it was to make us righteous. Yes, we could have been forgiven of all of our sins, but without Christ being raised from the dead, we could not be made righteous. Notice what I said now. <clears throat> We could not be made righteous apart from him being raised from the dead. And that used to baffle me. But God opened up my eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was raised for our justification. That, that's good news because when we're born again, we become partakers of his divine nature. We become one with him. You, you, know, you know the word, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that creature has been made complete in Christ. It has been made perfect. Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 talks about the triune God in Jesus. He, uh, Paul says, for in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, since Jesus is one with the triune God, in his body, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in that one body. Yes, God the Father is separate from God the Son in his person. God the Holy Spirit is separate from God the Son in his person. Yet they're one in essence, one in spirit, one in nature. And that nature is indivisible. Even on the cross, 
we see that. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 19, Paul says to it, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them. But on the cross, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, all were there because the nature of God is indivisible. But anyway, the Son took on, took on human flesh to die because God can't die. So the Son took on human flesh, flesh without sin, to die. Because the soul that's sin is you'll die. And he became sin. He became my sin. That I might become his righteousness. N not just a, a right standing. I do have a legal and right standing because Christ paid the penalty for my sins. But I'm not free to go to heaven. I'm not free to live eternally until I'm born again in Christ. Once I am in Christ, I am righteous, intrinsically. My nature becomes righteous, not just my standing. Now I am fit for heaven. I am fit for eternity. The only thing I'm waiting on now is the redemption of this flesh, this body. Romans 8, 23 tells us that. But I have a I have a new nature. I have what Adam lost. Consider Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, where Paul says, put off the old man. Then it says in verse 24, in Ephesians chapter 4, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So at the moment of the born again experience, I am totally righteous. Absolutely righteous. Fit for heaven right now. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm just thinking. So, what I'm thinking about is that what God had given us as a gift, we cannot lose it. I, I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For the gift and call of God are irrevocable without repentance. And James concurred with that. He said, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light, in whom, in whom is no variableness and no shadow turning. In other words, God doesn't change. God does not change. He doesn't change his mind. How can he who knows everything have anything to change? 
He said everything in its proper place. So he does not change. It's mine. If God saves you, he saves you for eternity. He can never lose you. He's all powerful. I like the way Jesus Christ puts it in John chapter 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. Talking about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish, never die, never be judged, never be destroyed, never undergo God's wrath. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And my Father, who is greater than all, no one shall snatch you, snatch them out of his hand. And the Holy Spirit, who is God Almighty. Ephesians chapter 1 says that he seals us and guarantees our eternal security. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God by whom you have been sealed until the day of redemption. You're not sealed until you blow it, but you're sealed until the day of redemption. Holy Spirit can be grieved. We grieve God. But God did not cast us away. He chastises those whom he loves. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 tells us that he, he chastises his children. He doesn't condemn us to hell. And we see that also in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 29 and following, where it says he chastises us with, with weakness, sickness, and even death, like he did Moses. But he, doesn't, he does not send us to a fiery hell. With his children, those whom he loves, he chastises. I'm going to stop right here, but uh, I wanted to talk about how God has saved you and how God keeps you. As we finish up, I want to look at Romans chapter 5 just for a minute. Because Paul did say he was delivered for our transgression and he was raised for our justification. Chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Which means God's wrath is no longer against us. God placed his wrath on his son. God is a just judge who does not deal in double jeopardy. He judged our sins once for all at Calvary's cross. Since he judged Jesus in our stead, we will never be judged for our sins. We are peace with God. And since we didn't make that peace, we cannot break that peace. God himself made that peace. God made peace with us himself through his son, Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross. So we're safe and secure, leaning on the everlasting arms. Next time, we're going to talk about another powerful reason why we 
are totally secure in our salvation. Well, we can't lose it. And I'm going to give you a hint right now. You can study this for yourself. Hebrews chapter 7. What talks about our eternal high priest who lives forever. He is that priest after the order of Melchizedek. Because he lives forever and makes intercession for us forever. Our salvation is forever and secure. This has been Bible Talk with Percy Garrett in the great state of Alabama. I hope you've been blessed by God's word. I want to continue to do this by the will of God to edify you and to bless you by growing you in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And equipping you for the, for the work of the ministry. Now unto him. Listen, listen, listen to this benediction that I'm using from Jude, the Lord's half-brother. Jude 1, 24 and 25. This is a, a eternal security passage of God's word. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty both now and ever. Amen.